Welcome to SuccessfulSavior.org, the ministry of Harmony Primitive Baptist Church in Donaldson, Arkansas. Good to be over here, and I appreciate y'all uh, having me over here, and uh, I, I ain't nothing to uh, listen to, not worthy to be up here, that is for certain. The way I see it is God's been using the, He can use the wicked to glorify His name, and He has, and He will continue to, and uh, if He can do that, then He can use me. And about Brother Dan uh, and raising up, you know, I love Brother Dan, and uh, I, I, I really do appreciate him. And uh, But, you know, if Brother Dan, and uh, maybe a little bit morbid, but if Brother Dan died in a car wreck tomorrow morning, we should not just say all hope is lost, right. you know, like, oh boy, Donaldson is in trouble now, or if, and if Brother Sonny did too. Yep. You know, and we kind of get that mindset sometimes. To where it seems like, oh, that man is the one that upholds that church over there. But we get everything backwards. It's God that upholds it. And uh, if God deemed fit, he could raise up another man that quick in Brother Dan's spot or in anybody's spot. And when you believe in that and think that away, where does all the glory go to? It goes to God. It doesn't go to uh, any man. I pray that we're here to honor, glorify, and exalt His name. And if we are, then it's a good good day to be here. Amen. Every Sunday would be a good Sunday if that's our goal. I think maybe sometimes we can uh, inject men into things that are of God. But His power, He's got, uh, as Thou hast given Him power over all flesh, mm-hmm. and uh, to give eternal life to as many as Thou hast given Him. He's got complete power over your flesh, over my flesh, over everybody's flesh. Amen. And I understand that's uh, in reference to eternal life, and he most certainly does. Just like he will have, uh, and he does have power over flesh, uh, even on resurrection day. Uh, what one of his that is dead in the grave can he not overpower to raise? Right. It's not possible. He has power over all flesh, mine, yours, everybody. The uh, spiritual gift of prophecy is a, is a great gift, and it's one we should be thankful for, but everybody has spiritual gifts. Everybody does. It's finding what that gift is and using it to the best of your ability to please and honor God is, uh, is what it's about. And, you know, too many times you may just think that the pastor is the only one with the spiritual gift. Right. He's the only one that God has blessed, but that's not true. Right. That's not true at all. God has given every man a different gift. And we've got to keep these things in mind. And when we forget these things, then it's kind of like, oh, it's all on the pastor to do the church's duties, to ask people to church, to show up, to do these things. And that couldn't be farther from the truth, okay? But anyway, all right. How about Isaiah 40 and verse 1? Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. That is a, uh, that's always been a verse that uh, I like to hear. <laughs> I hope everybody likes to hear that Amen. one. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. When you hear that, uh, it should make you happy. It should make you feel comforted, loved. And 
speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. Now, when you believe that our warfare is accomplished, okay, you're going to have comfort in that. I have comfort in that. I have comfort in that for you all. I have comfort in that for every one of God's elect uh, that ever has been or ever will be. I think of uh, Naaman and all these things. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. He has won the battle. The victory has been won. Uh, there's not an upcoming battle. It's not on the table. It's not a dicey situation. Uh, he is, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Amen. And I think about that prophecy in Genesis that thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies. We know that seed is Christ. Right. And that Christ shall possess the gates of his enemies. He's won. That's been accomplished. Now, when you... Uh, think on these things, you're comforted. You're comforted in these things. And uh, it's, it's kind of crazy how uh, uh, it's easy to uh, live by works but then die by grace. <laughs> it's easy to. It's just human nature. Uh, we all are Armenian by nature. We get what we deserve. We're Americans, right? I mean, we don't believe in taxes. or you know, I don't believe in income tax or anything like that. Uh, whatever a man makes, that's what he ought to get. And I, I, you know, I agree. Unless it comes to God and what I deserve, then no. <laughs> I don't think that away. But uh, in having conversations with different people, I know one in particular, uh, uh, a woman who was uh, kind of in the Catholic Church, kind of out of the Catholic Church, and uh, not a member or anything, but... Uh, I was talking to her, and uh, she had a, uh, uh, a child, and uh, that child was sick when it was born. And, uh, well, obviously, they believe in infant baptism, things such as that. Well, the church couldn't do that. Why? Because she wasn't a member. Okay? And so the uh, child uh, passed away um, not having... Uh, been baptized as an infant. Okay. So, what's the harsh reality of that if I believed in that? That child's in hell. Because the mother didn't know what she was supposed to do, and because the church would not baptize that infant. Now, that's pretty harsh to me. I don't find uh, a lot of comfort in that. In fact, I don't find any comfort in that. Uh... But what I do have comfort in is that all the elect family chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world uh, shall be in glory with him in his image. That gives me comfort. Uh, As far as uh, what I do before God, as Isaiah said, all of our righteousness are as filthy rags, uh, even the best of us. Uh, And and I do wish that more of God's children uh, uh, would be as... uh, Isaiah was when God's train filled the temple and he said, Woe unto me, for I'm a man of unclean lips in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Okay? You see that uh, poor in spirit, that felt need of God by Isaiah. You know, you think of Isaiah. Isaiah was a pretty good man. <laughs> I mean, he, 
he wasn't an average Joe by any means. I mean, Isaiah was a great prophet. But he even had that felt need of God. Yeah. And, uh, but when uh, we think that what we do builds our righteousness, okay, and I'm not talking about walking temporally, I'm talking about eternally before God, uh, it's sad that a lot of God's children go through life never feeling that, you know? And uh, not feeling the need of God, not want, but the need of God. But crying to her that her warfare is accomplished and that her iniquity is pardoned. I like pardoned in the Bible. It doesn't get much sweeter than pardoned. Uh, and, you know, I, I know you all know all about pardoning. But uh, uh, name one criminal who ever did anything to reverse his sentence. They can't do that. They're in prison serving their sentence just like they should do. And it's uh, amazing how many presidents there right at the end. I'm talking about right at the end of their term. What do they do? They pardon hundreds of or over a thousand people, you know. But when that pardon is given, it doesn't matter if that criminal is the biggest thug in the jail. It doesn't matter. When that pardon is given by the right authority, by the man with authority who has the authority to pardon, it's over with. Clean slate. They're done. They're free. Um, and they can never be uh, tried or put back in prison after that pardon is given. It's over with. And uh, so anyway, I want to, and uh, this has just kind of been hung up in my mind, but, uh, you know, I think about even the the rich young ruler, and I've mentioned this several times the last few weeks, but I hadn't got over it yet. When he asked uh, our Lord and Savior, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? That's the million-dollar question. I mean, that is the question that rages today. I mean, you could go out here as a highway, stop 100 people, ask 100 people, what good thing must we do to inherit eternal life? And you probably get 25 different answers in our area, you know, maybe less than that, but you get several different answers. Here's what you got to do, here's what you got to do, here's what you got to do. Uh, which the question is kind of a foolish question to begin with. Right. What good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Think if I went up to Brother Sonny and I said, Brother Sonny, what good thing must I do to inherit part of your estate? Right. You know what he'd tell me? He'd say, you're not one of my house. You're not one of my offspring. You're not getting anything. You can't do anything to inherit it. Right. Okay? Right. See, it's, it's a foolish question to even ask. And what did Jesus tell him? Uh, he said, keep the commandments. The commandments. Okay? Well, first he asked him all the commandments. If he had kept them, he said, from my youth up, I've kept these. But there was one thing he was lacking. And, uh, and Jesus proved that he had not kept the commandments in that line of questioning. Okay? He was really bearing false witness against himself. And, uh, uh, and he went away grieved and sorrowful. Now, how much comfort did that uh, rich young ruler have? He didn't have none. He went away grieving and sorrowful. Why did he go away grieving and sorrowful? Because when Jesus told him that, keep the commandments, all the commandments, you know? And just like Paul said in Romans chapter 7, he found the law to be ordained unto life, okay? But Paul found it to be unto death. He knew that the law was righteous. 
and that that was ordained to life, but he himself personally found it just beyond a death. A.K.A. he knew, I can't keep this thing. Right. Nobody can keep it. But that rich young ruler at that moment didn't have, didn't have a lot of comfort. Okay? He, he felt convicted, and Jesus looked on him in love. That was a child of God. That was a child of God 100%, just like you and me. Yep. But he didn't have a whole lot of comfort. Because that rich young ruler did not believe that his warfare had been That's accomplished. Right. That is right. Um, that rich young ruler did not believe that he had been pardoned. Okay? Uh, really, he didn't think a whole lot about his iniquity until Jesus pointed it out. And really, when you read your Bible, it will point out your iniquity really quick. Uh, and, uh, and, I, and I think I've said this before, but uh, when I first started really actually reading a Bible, I don't know, three years ago, uh, I didn't start in the New Testament. I started Genesis 1, but by the time I got through to the end of Deuteronomy, I knew. I felt like that rich young ruler did. Uh, I, I was aggrieved. And sorrowful, uh, because, and I know I, I probably said this every time I've been over here. I feel like I've been in Exodus and Genesis, and I'm not going back there today. But I've been there just about every time I come over here. But that's important to see, because when you look up, as uh, Isaiah did, and when you read the law, which Paul says is righteous and just and good. There's nothing wrong with that law. That's right. Ain't nothing wrong with it. Isn't it a perfect law? I believe it is. Yeah. And what's crazy is when you read things in that law that you don't like, and you will, you'll read things in there and you'll think, I don't agree with that. <laughs> Your na- you, that will happen. Yeah. And uh, if somebody says they read it, and I, I'm going to have a hard time buying it, I'll just be honest with you. I don't know how you can read that and not have a, a disagreement or think, eh, I don't understand that. And that's usually the problem. But the law is just and good and holy. And Paul admits that. But the problem with us is not the law. The problem is what? Is what? It's us. That was the problem. That the problem was with man. It wasn't with the law. It wasn't like the law was out of date or ineffectual. The problem is man. We can't keep it. We can't keep nothing. That's our problem. That's my problem. But uh, that rich young ruler didn't understand that his iniquity... Uh, had been pardoned, and he was a Jewish man, and and uh, uh, and it's funny, and uh, I guess it's Acts chapter two how it says that uh, the Jews resteth in the law, resteth in the law. Well, uh, that's one place I ain't gonna rest in. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest with you, I don't know how anybody can rest in that law. Uh, I mean, you read that thing honestly, and and uh, and there were Jews that read that honestly too. Uh, you ain't going to find much rest. You ain't going to find no rest. Uh, but anyway, they rest in the law. And still to this day, interesting, he- listening to conversations with the Jews today, they're still resting in the law. Yep. And I uh, uh, listened to a little conversation between a, a political guy that I really like, and uh, he was discussing with a, uh, 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 he was a Christian of some kind, and uh, he just could not get over the fact that if you lived, this was his question. He said, so you're telling me I can live whatever kind of life I want to, but God can still save me. And, uh, and it was funny, the guy was Armenian, and he really didn't, he really thought the same way that the Jew did, which is interesting. <laughs> right. He did. Uh, so that was kind of an interesting conversation between the two, trying to figure this thing out. Because he didn't want to say yes to that, but he didn't want to say no to that either. Right. You know, it was kind of an interesting conversation. 
But you see, that, uh, uh, that Jew just could not get over that. He just cannot fathom that a man can live wickedly, uh, uh, transgress God's laws, and still get into heaven. Just couldn't see it. And uh, that's, that's uh, sad to me, because you're not going to have comfort in that. And Brother Dan, Sonny, Jet, y'all know uh, how many people, you know, uh, uh, well, I've done six funerals, I think. Not one of them has been a primitive Baptist, I believe not. Not one of them has been. Well, and I'll tell you why. Because everybody, a lot of America, wants to live by works. And that's how you get to heaven. You want to live by works, you want to live by works. But then when you got Uncle So-and-so, they may have had a drinking problem, maybe cussed like a sailor, hadn't been to church for 15 years. Well, then he dies and it's like, okay, wait a minute here. Do I believe that that man went to hell? They know better inside. They know that that was a child of God. That's the, that's the problem. You've got to struggle there, okay? You've got to struggle there. Then grace sounds mighty good. <laughs> but grace sounds, should sound mighty good all the time. Yes. <clears throat> so the Jews that rested in the law. Um, in Acts chapter 15... And I've just been hung up on this. But in Acts chapter 15, uh, there were certain brethren which came down from Judea. I believe that was Antioch, I believe, that Paul had already established. So Paul had already established this church, baptized many. They had already been baptized. These are church-attending people, okay, with elders set up, whole shebang. But there were certain brethren which came down from Judea, which said, "What? You have to be. You must be circumcised to be saved." Okay, these are church attending people. That brethren from Judea came down and said, and I believe that uh, it says over there that there was no small dissension between Paul and them. Right. I imagine it was a big <laughs> dissension. I mean, you have Paul who's you know, uh, who has taught grace to these people and the sovereignty of God, and then all of a sudden you get brethren from Judea from the first church come down and tell them you got to be circumcised to be saved. Right. I imagine Paul threw a fit, if I had to guess. Yeah. It said no small dissension, so you imagination can go from there. But then a few verses later down, this is the problem, and I and and I've noticed this, and I know, uh, and I'm a knucklehead, and if I can notice something, anybody can notice it. But it starts out, you must be circumcised to be saved in verse 1. And then by the time I think you get down to verse 6, it's you must be circumcised and you must keep the law. Yeah, it's getting bigger. It's getting bigger. <laughs> it don't ever stop with one thing. That's right. I, don't, I cannot think of a denomination that says, okay, you have to accept or you have to be baptized, you have to do this, and if you do this, you're saved, lock, stock, barrel, you can't get out of it. I don't know of one like that. Mm. There may be... <laughs> But uh, it's wrong anyway. But it's always, yes, you have to do this, and then you have to keep on keeping on. Or else you're not saved. That is the theme with works-based salvation. And it doesn't hold a bucket of water when it comes to what God has done for his people. Right. That's right. So, <clears throat> her iniquity is pardoned. I think of that, is that uh, I think that's Micah, but who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity? and passeth by 
the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. You don't hear a God like that, do you? You don't hear a God like that. That God's in the Bible. That God's on his throne. But you don't hear a God with this mercy. A God with this authority to pardon sins. And it's amazing that Micah asks that question, Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? That's the God I want to hear about. That's the God that I will get comfort from. Uh, uh... And, and uh, what is it? David said, uh, O Lord, enter not into judgment with thy servant. Uh, uh, for, uh, uh, for no man in thy sight shall be justified. I'm messing that up. I haven't memorized, but it's gone now. Anyway, I think it's Psalm 130 and 3. But anyway, it doesn't matter. What David, oh, uh, if God should mark his iniquity, who shall stand? Right. I thank God he doesn't mark iniquity. You know, and... If he marked iniquity, I'm telling you, we, ain't, we should just go home. Y'all need to sell this building. We'll sell ours over there, and let's just go fishing and hunting on the weekend. Don't even worry about going to church. Because right. your destination is lock, stock, and barrel over with. Mm-hmm. Hell will be your home for eternity. That's scary to me. I mean, really. I think about uh, hell, and that's not a, a fantasy land or something made up to scare people. That's a real place. And you think about uh, our God who is so holy and so righteous that that is the punishment for sin. Who could stand before a God such as that? Nobody's going to stand before that God. That's what David is saying. For in thy sight shall no man living be justified. Not going to happen. Or like Psalm said, there's not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Yeah, we can do some good, but we don't do good and then not sin. We, you know, the best case scenario, we kind of do both. Right. Try to keep from the sinning part and just do the good. But anyway, her iniquity is pardoned for she hath received the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Um, back thinking of the Jews resting uh, in the law. I think that something else I've kind of been hung up on, but uh, search the scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life. But they, this, are they, the Scriptures, that testify of me. What was the problem with when Jesus was here 2,000 years ago on this earth over there in uh, Israel? Everybody thought that they was just as righteous as they could be. At least the rulers and upper did. Now there are plenty of lower, you know, uh, uh, common people that uh, didn't think that, but the, the Pharisees, the ru- rulers, those up lifted up, they didn't need him. That's right. They were justified by the law. They were justified by the works. They didn't need Jesus. Right. And then them saying that they did, they didn't want to hear that. Okay? And I don't think we've gotten to that point in this country today. I really don't. And, uh, and I don't think that's an excuse to not uh, tell people about what God's done for you and invite them to church. It's easy for us to get to the point where we think, well, the world's wicked, that's why the church isn't doing good, so we'll just ride it out. That's wrong. When is that excuse given, or that out given for us? It's not. The whole, the world's wicked, so let's just, you know, they're not going to hear us anyway. Be careful now. Do not fall into that rut. I think that's kind of hurt us, just to be honest with you. And uh, I'm I'm not 
just sitting over here talking about y'all, I mean everybody. It's easy. You sit there and watch the news all day and you think, man, this country's wicked. It's gone to pot and I can tell everybody they ain't going to want to hear it. You don't know that. You do not know that. There are a lot of God's children out there who are starving to death spiritually that we don't even mention. We don't even talk to. We don't even know if they're out there because we don't talk to nobody. And I'm talking about myself too. (laughs) And, uh, And that's not just Brother Dan's responsibility, or Sonny's, or Jesse's, it's not just on y'all to get people. No, 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 no. I don't know where that thought has come from, but it came from a bad place. But anyway, so, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. If if I asked... uh, uh, If I asked uh, uh, Brother Dan... And I said, Brother Dan, what must I do to be saved? Show me in the scriptures what I have to do to be saved. But what would your response be? Well, I'd probably ask you what type of salvation you're talking okay, about. Okay, tempor- eternal. Eternal salvation. You say you, you'd say Jesus paid it all. Exactly. He would say the scriptures testified that he saved his people. Now, Brother Dan could probably talk a lot longer than that on that subject. He'd probably go 20, 30, an hour. And that's okay. That's okay. But when you look around, and I think of uh, even uh, denominations that say, okay, what must a man do to be saved? They say Mark 16, 16. Believeth and baptized. Or they say Acts 2, 38 to 40. They are going to point in the Scriptures and say, this is what you must do to have eternal life. It's not in here. Jesus says that himself. The Jews 2,000 years ago, the Pharisees and Sadducees thought that their eternal life was in this book and that they, then by keeping the words of the law, they had eternal life. That's right. Jesus said as plain as day right. that the Scriptures testify of him and what he would do. Amen. That's where your eternal life is. It's hid in Christ. It's not in this book. Amen. Is there salvation in this book? You bet temporal you better believe it i mean you read it and you'll find out and you'll find out when israel didn't read the law that's right and uh and uh i think maybe one of the best kings uh uh josiah that's maybe my favorite king israel was in the darkest most wicked place that it had been uh manasseh was sacrificing children then uh, you know josiah was manasseh's grandson and uh uh so it was just wickedness and Josiah found when he went to cleanse the temple. Isn't it funny that when he, he started out in the temple of God, that's where they started out. Hezekiah, same way. Judgment began there, and then it went out from there. And they found in the uh, temple uh, the law of the Lord. They found it. Okay? Yeah. Now, did that, law, did that law save Josiah and all Israel from hell? Not eternally but it saved them from a heap of hell that they would have experienced on this earth if they had not read it and took heed to it. That's right. And all you have to do is read about Josiah's grandsons and great-grandsons. They didn't take heed to it. But Josiah, in doing that, God granted him peace all of his days. And Israel prospered. Not only did Israel prosper, but it said that they had the greatest Passover that they had ever had. Think about that. You think about Joshua... Moses, Isaiah, you had Hezekiah, 
Uzziah, you had all these great kings, all these great prophets. But they had the greatest Passover, the greatest spiritual experience that Israel ever had in the darkest point in their history. By what? Reading the law. Reading God's Word. It blessed them when they stuck to it that they had the greatest spiritual experience that Israel had ever had. It can be the same thing today. That's right. Okay? It can be the same thing today. And if we do, it will be. That's the crazy thing about it. You can say can, can, can. We adhere to that, stick to that, not worry about nothing else. We will have that spiritual experience, just like they did. And you say, well, today, you know, we got sodomites, we've got abortion, we got all these things. Guess what? They had them back then, too. They had all these things that are plaguing us today, back then in Josiah's day. But what cleansed it was one man adhering to the law. But anyway, that did not save anybody's soul from hell, but it saved them from a lot of hell that they would have received by the hand of God for Manasseh's sins. And that's another thing... uh, Speaking about pardon, there was one sin in there that God said, I will not pardon. What sin was that? That was Manasseh filling Jerusalem with innocent blood from one end to the other. What was he doing? Sacrificing children. Okay? Now, interesting. But all right. <clears throat> How about let's go to uh, 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians five. Uh, let's go to just start. We'll start at verse fourteen. Second Corinthians five, verse fourteen. For the love of Christ constraineth us. I've always really liked that because we thus judge. Notice this: that if one died for all, then all were dead. If one died for all, then all were dead. Okay? And that he died for all, they that which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. <laughs> and I, I've hammered this. I know Linda Brady, I know they're probably uh, sick and tired of it. But I like to look at the motivation for why we do these things. Why, is the, why do we go to church on Sundays? You know? Why do we, uh, just, like, uh, uh, just like in Deuteronomy, I believe it's uh, chapter 6, when uh, Moses stressed and stressed and stretched to teach your children. When thou liest down, when thou standest up, uh, when thou walkest, uh, let's see, liest down, sitting down, walking, and laying down, I think. There's four there. Every position you have, he tells them to teach your children in that position. Write it upon the post, write it upon the door. But nonetheless, but when you go a little bit farther past that, he says, what, basically, what are you going to tell your son? Your son will ask you, why do we do these things? Why do we do them? Why do we keep these statutes? Why do we uh, uh, sacrifice? Why do we go to the temple? Why do we do all this? What did he say? Did he tell them that, well, did Moses tell them, well, you don't, you know, we don't want to backslide into hell, or we don't want, uh, uh, we don't want to lose uh, all of our money, and we don't want our nation to go on. No, no. That was not the motivation for them teaching their children that way. 
The motivation was what God had already done for them. That God had brought them out of Egypt. That God had delivered him from that darkness and from that blackness. That was the motivation for them doing that. Not to save them, but that they're already saved. Okay? Eternally. So, and uh, and I, I just, I think about uh, uh, Jesus saying that God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay? Now, that's a, uh, to me, that's a pretty strong uh, statement. That you can worship God in truth but if you have no spirit in it, it's not that pleasing, is it? It's twofold, spirit and in truth. Both of those, okay? You can worship God just like we ought to. We can do everything by the book like we should. But if we have no spirit in the matter, if we're not hungry and thirsty for righteousness, it doesn't mean anything. And why I say that is that 2,000 years... Who was keeping the law better? The Pharisees and Sadducees were keeping the law itself better than a lot of those people out there. They didn't have any spirit in that. Were they, did they have the law? Did they know the law? They did head knowledge, maybe not heart knowledge, but what I'm saying is they kept the law better than those publicans and uh, 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 well, it? harlots around them. Okay? But they didn't have any spirit in it. Okay, they just showed up, did it by the book, and that was that. That is not, that's a dangerous spot to be in. We have to come to God and worship Him in spirit and in truth. But to motivate us to do that, we need to understand what He's done for us. When you consider what all He's done for His people, that will motivate you to go to church. That will motivate you to worship Him. That will motivate you to give to the church. That'll motivate you to tell other people about what he's done for you, okay? Not just out of a fear that, well, we don't need to forsake the assembly, so let's be here. Is that true? Yeah, it is. But if that's your motivation for being here, you ain't here in the Spirit, okay? Or if you come to church because your mom and daddy came here, or your grandpa and grandma come here, you're missing everything. Right. You're missing everything. <clears throat> Anyway, I'll uh, get off that. That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth we know him no more. I love that. Therefore, if any man, therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That old man of yours was crucified on the cross with him. When he died, you died. You've already died under your sins. (laughs) You have. And uh, I know as far as here on this earth, we're heading to the grave, okay? Everybody in here is headed to the grave unless the Lord comes back. And hopefully that will happen. Uh, and, And on that real quick, uh, yeah, you get tired of all this junk you've seen on TV, all this stuff, just the lewdness, wickedness, just rampant, okay? Uh, but uh, the, all the unnatural things, uh, just like it says in, uh, what is that, Timothy 3, 
the false accusers, the truce breakers, the unthankful, unholy, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, without natural affection. Man, that one is everywhere. Okay? And I know there's one that we think of more than any, but, well, but anyway, there's a lot more to that than just uh, homosexuality. Right. A lot more. Right. You know, I just... People that love animals like they're people, that's not natural. You say I'm a, 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 grand, I'm a dog mama or something like that, that's unnatural. Okay? It's okay for you to respect your animals, and we should. But to act like those are people too, that's unnatural. God hates that. Okay? Uh, and I know that's another, and there's a whole lot with that. Okay? But not just that, but we'll leave that alone. But anyway. We see all these things going on around about us, and we just think, man, this is bad. You know, let's uh, 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 bar the door, brace the hatches. You know, it's just, <laughs> and it is, but that's okay. You know, if think about how many of God's elect, how many saints of God have. Uh, have walked on this earth um, looking uh, for that blessed hope. Think about that. Enoch did. Enoch. I think he was the sixth from Adam, I believe. He, seventh, thank you. Thank you. Help me out. I, mean, I need. I need help, brother Sonny. So help me out. Seventh, Enoch looked forward to that day. Seven generations from Adam looked forward to Jesus Christ's return. Okay. Think about that. What about Job? Job did too. Um. I believe that God's saints throughout the history of this world have looked forward to that day. Okay. And the way that I see it, looking for that blessed hope, the way that I see it, if we got to put up with a whole lot of this junk, you know, for the rest of our lives, and uh, which I'm, you know, I'm 29, but uh, if I got to put up with it for 40 years, and then when I turn 69, 70, the Lord comes back, is all worth it. That's right. Um, anyway, it'll all be worth it. But, uh, if He does not, and I, I have a reason to be that we're uh, reason to believe that we're getting a lot closer. There, we're certainly in the great falling away period, I believe. Now, so, as far as the son of man or son, uh, uh, man of sin being revealed, I don't know who that is. I hadn't seen it yet. Maybe uh, uh, y'all have a little bit better understanding than that. To me, I don't. I haven't seen anything revealed yet. But as far as falling away, we most certainly are in that. Okay, we're most certainly in those last days talked about by Timothy and and in other places. But you know, 
I can't even imagine. Um, hearing a shout and the trump of the archangel, archangel, and seeing the dead in Christ rise first. <laughs> I mean, think about that. Um, think about what a honor. and blessing that will be to experience mm-hmm. Amen. I don't know I just uh, I think about that and uh, you know our uh, what does it say our uh, uh, The creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Mm-hmm. The creature. For I reckon that the... I'll back that up. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Think about that. And I, I don't think that maybe our sufferings have gotten as bad as they're going to get. I don't think. I could very well be wrong. But I think it's going to get worse. And I think certainly in my lifetime, uh, there'll be a lot of changes where uh, it may not be lawful to assemble. Right. Uh, it certainly won't be lawful to hear the truth out of the Bible. Okay, We're heading that way quickly. That's right. But, but I consider this verse, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Think about that. Think about if in the future, uh, Brother Mike is uh, slain for trying to attend a church. Think about the pain from that. Okay? Think about that. And this has happened before, and it could very well happen again in this country. But think about the pain and hurt uh, that everybody would feel in that. Okay? Do y'all do y'all souls get vexed with the conversation of the wicked? I hope it does. <laughs> I really do. I hope you don't get numb to it, to where it's just like, oh yeah, you know, it's it is what it is. I mean, uh, when you hear these things and see these things, your soul should be vexed. Okay? And uh, Lot had a lot of problems. He, he made bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. But his soul was always vexed with that wickedness that went on around him. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that we almost get a little numb to it, to where it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, that's how it is. We should be vexed in that. But all of this, all of this, present and future, is nothing compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. Right. That glorified body I love that in, uh, uh, is it 1 Corinthians? Uh, anyway, I think that may be 15. But anyway, when Paul uh, writes about the body and the resurrection, with what body shall we have? He likens it to one kernel of corn. One kernel being buried. But what happens when that thing comes out of the ground? you got a 10-foot corn stock with hundreds of,
you got a, uh, you know, seven, eight, nine foot corn stalk with hundreds of kernels, hundreds. Uh, you know, uh, we've gotten plenty of rain this year, and it, uh, Lord willing, it'll be a pretty good corn crop. We've had corn that uh, wasn't worth a lick. It was about that tall and just burnt slam up. <laughs> but uh, uh, God is a, uh, uh, he's a husbandman. He knows how to grow a good crop. He knows how to grow a good vine. And he knows how to harvest too. But the thing about that is considering one kernel of corn in its state, some of y'all could probably have a hard time seeing it. But man, when that thing is in the ground and it comes back up, it's a glorious thing, isn't it? It's amazing. I mean, you have one kernel producing uh, hundreds of other kernels. That's how Paul compares these bodies that we have now to what we will have. That's amazing to think about. Amen. And it, and really, uh, our bodies will be in Jesus Christ's image, and uh, that's crazy to think about too. I mean, really. The kernel illustration is hard to think about, but the Jesus Christ, that's probably harder to think about. But it's true. It's true. For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. That creature within you is waiting on it. Waiting on it. Waiting on it. That new man that God has created within you is waiting on that day. It is waiting to be manifested. It's waiting to have the body to go with the soul and spirit. Okay? It's waiting for that. And uh, we ought to be waiting on that too. We ought to be waiting on Him. We ought to be looking for that blessed hope. We ought to be as uh, uh, John was in Revelation, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Come quickly. That should be our attitude. You know, and, and I love it in Revelation. If, if you read Revelation, you get scared and you just want to go uh, buy a cave somewhere and start hoarding supplies and prepping and doing you read Revelation wrong, okay? You missed something. You can start at the beginning, and yes, there's stuff in there I don't understand. I'll just be honest with y'all. I don't understand. But I know one thing. John was not scared to death. He was not worried. He was not saying, Lord, wait, let me get my things in order. He said, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Come on back. But anyway, the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity. Isn't that the truth? Not willingly, but by reason of Him, Jesus Christ, who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself, that new creature within you, within all of God's elect, also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. How about that? That's amazing to think about. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And it is. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. We're waiting on this to happen. We're looking for it to happen. And uh, too often we can kind of get... In a, in a deal, I need to add more money in my retirement account. I want to see my grandkids do this. I want to see my children grow up. I, we just had a baby. Yeah, I'd love to see Dean grow up. Yeah. But, uh, I, uh, but more than that, um, I would love to see uh, the Lord come back. Amen. 
And me, um, with a perfect body in his image, my wife and my son. That's a little bit better than watching him grow up, probably get into trouble. And, you know, who knows? Who knows? Okay? Who knows? But anyway, waiting for, uh, uh, <coughs> waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Now, I think that's a, a little good point right there. How can, a, how can somebody be adopted and born again into the family of God? You're born into the family of God, and the body's adopted in the family of God. Okay? You are born... You cannot be born into a family and then adopted into a family. I don't think you can be. I've never heard of that happening. I mean, I'm sure maybe crazy stuff. But if you're born into a family, you're born into it. Okay? Birth and adoption is two different things. Okay? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. Having this thing right here before you and all this that I'm looking at, it will be adopted, redeemed out of the family of Adam into the family of God. That new creature has been born into the family of God. But this body is going to be adopted out of Adam into Jesus Christ's family. Okay? It can get maybe a little confusing. Who knows? Maybe I'm confused. But uh, anyway. All right. <clears throat> so. Well, I didn't even get get what I wanted, but we'll try it again. Okay. We'll go back to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18. And all things are of God. Okay? And all things are of God. That ought to make everybody happy. It ought to make you feel comforted. All things are of God. Uh, Just like all the... uh, What shall we then say to these things? All those things? that Those are all of God. Those are all of God. That's why we have comfort, okay? Calling, justification, glorification, predestination, foreknowledge. We have comfort in all those things because they're all of God, okay? And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Was that of God? You bet it was. That's why we have comfort. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself. Where's me and you in the picture in this thing? We ain't in it. Other than the beneficiaries. That's it. Okay? We're not listed here. Uh, uh, We're listed in a beneficiary capacity. That's what we're listed in. Okay? Who hath reconciled us, restored the peace between uh, us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation. Amen. He doesn't give Brother Dan the ability to reconcile. He doesn't give that to anybody. He did it himself by Jesus Christ. Right. To wit that God was in Christ. Where were you at, by the way? You was in Christ too. Think about that. Reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. I'm not going to pay for what I've done. You're not going to pay for what you've done. Thank God you're not going to. Not imputing our trespasses on ourselves and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. That gives comfort. That sounds a little bit like comfort ye, comfort ye. 
the peace has been restored between when we who are by nature children of wrath, enemies of God, sinners, ungodly. That's our nature. Enemies of God. But God has restored the peace between us and Him. We haven't. I didn't have anything to do with it. God restored peace between Himself and the elect family of God by Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ and us being in Him. That's reconciliation. The peace has been restored. And hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. That's, that's a strong statement too. Mm-hmm. You're an ambassador for Christ. Mm-hmm. You're an ambassador for Christ as soon as you walk out those two doors right there. You're an ambassador tomorrow morning and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. A.M., P.M., you're an ambassador of Christ. Okay? Uh, you know, we've had some, I mean, some sorry ambassadors uh, here the last several years. And uh, several years. And, uh, you know, it's such a shame on a country when they have an ambassador who goes to this other country and acts foolishly, right. gets drunk, gets found with a prostitute, something like that. It's a shame on that country. You understand it's a shame on our Lord and Savior when you do the same thing. And I'm not talking about just those kind of wicked things. I mean, maybe you get mad and cuss out somebody or cuss at somebody or whatever the case may be. I have no idea, okay? We all have weaknesses, uh, different weaknesses. Uh, But we should be good ambassadors and witnesses. Witnesses. But anyway, we'll keep going here. Now then, because of what God has done, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. I I love that. How many times is this in the New Testament? You are reconciled, be ye reconciled. Right? Ye are saved, save yourselves. (laughs) I mean, that's a common thing. Temporal, eternal. Temporal, eternal. Two words just get real familiar with. All right, verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made, made, the righteousness of God in him. For he, God the Father, hath made him, Jesus Christ. God the Father made Jesus Christ to be sin for us. Made him. Jesus did not become a sinner of his own accord. He didn't sin. He was obedient unto death. Both deaths. Can I say that? Both deaths. He was obedient all the way. I'm talking about being forsaken by God and physical death, both of them. What is spiritual death? That's being forsaken by God in hell eternally, right? Was he forsaken by God? Yes, he was on the cross at Calvary. And those three hours of darkness, and this goes, and I was going to try to get here, but I'm not going to do it. Uh, But this goes back to Leviticus 16. Our high priest. Christ is our high priest. But in Leviticus 16, when they had the atonement offering, once a year, it wasn't a whole group of priests that went in there. It wasn't every Israelite lined up and did their peace to just one. Just one. The high priest alone went into the holiest. Alone. And also, what was he wearing? Linen garments. He wasn't wearing the fancy robe with the bells and all. He was not wearing that. He was wearing linen garments. What was Jesus Christ buried in? Linen garments. That's what he was buried in. That is our high priest. 
And he went in alone unto the holiest and offered the, the blood of the goat upon the mercy seat. Just the high priest. But that high priest alone by himself atoned all of Israel. They had nothing to do with it. That was, our, that was the high priest's duty alone to do that. And when it comes to uh, uh, all of the elect family of God being atoned from their sins, uh, uh, being saved eternally in His image, our high priest did that. Our high, our high priest did that by Himself alone in darkness. Three hours of dark. Was it lit up inside the holiest? No, it was not. It was pitch black. Okay? Why? God could not look upon sin. God cannot look upon sin. They had to make sure that was blackened. All the curtains, all the things around it to make sure it was pitch black when that high priest went into the holiest. God could not look upon that man and that man couldn't look upon God. But so Jesus Christ did uh, fulfilled at Calvary. He made the atonement uh, uh, sacrifice and he did it one time. One time. Okay? Uh, let me read this, and I'll be done here. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Amen. He did it one time. It's over. <laughs> I mean, that's comfort. I mean, that should make you rejoice. That should make you want to serve him. Once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for it sounds like he got the job done. Amen. He did get the job done. That's right. Upon the cross, he cried, "It is finished." The atonement sacrifice is over with. All of our sin. When he was made to be sin for us, you died, I died. It was all put upon him. But by that one sacrifice alone, alone, and uh, and I'll, I'll say this. Uh, Real quick, what happened when uh, men tried to play the part of the high priest in the Old Testament? They died. Let me tell you, well, Korah and the gang that the earth swallowed up, what happened when they wanted to take the position of Aaron? Korah was the son of Levi, by the way. He wasn't just a, you know, some other tribe. He was a Levite. But he told Moses and Aaron, you burden yourselves too much. <laughs> right? I can do that. Is basically what he was saying. I can do what you do, Aaron. That's what Korah was saying. And uh, God did not respond to that in a kind manner. Korah, his tent, all of his substance was swallowed up by the earth. And the princes that were with them, what happened? They were burned alive by the incense that they carried. I think that that's important for us to think upon to realize that only only one who has the authority can go into the holiest. There's only one that can. And we are not, we are priests, but we're not high priests. Just as Korah was a Levite, could have been a priest, but he wasn't the high priest. There's only one who is our high priest, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen. And by one, <laughs> by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Um, I'll just, uh, I'll probably stop right there, but uh, with Korah and them, you know, God was so strict about that particular service, you know. They get off track on every kind of thing. 
But whenever a man tried to take upon him that position, he died. He died that quick. Same thing. Remember Uzziah? Good king. Good king. But what happened? His heart lifted him up. And when his heart lifted him up, what did he do? He went to the temple and tried to do something that he had no business doing, that he did not have the authority doing. Think about God giving Uzziah the authority of that entire kingdom. The priests were subject unto Everybody in that kingdom was subject unto Uzziah. But when Uzziah tried to usurp God's authority that he had given, God smote him. That's crazy to think of. With leprosy. Okay? Now... There's only but one that makes the that made the atone, the atonement sacrifice for his people, and that's our high priest. And he did it one time. It's done, and uh, we've got a lot to be comforted in. We got a lot to look forward to, a lot to be uh, comforted in. So, thank y'all for the good attention. I know everybody's uh, sleeping. Well, warfare accomplished, right? We talked a little bit about doctrine the importance of doctrine and that accomplishment of Jesus Christ is right in the heart and center of what we believe and where we draw comfort. To the extent that you accept and believe that your warfare is accomplished, you can enter into the comfort and rest of the gospel. It's absolutely central to what we believe. Brother Luke made a comment about worshiping in spirit and in truth, and it set me to thinking, you know, an unregenerate man has no spirit. He could get involved in a religion that has no truth, and he's got no spirit and no truth. He might get involved in a church that's got the truth, but he's still got no spirit alongside some people that are worshiping with the truth. Regenerate man, it gets a little more complicated. He's got the spirit, but he can not have the spirit in a sense by not really entering into what he should, not having the right attitude with respect to how things are. He could do that, and he could do that in an assembly that has no truth. We're supposed to worship in spirit and in truth. And I believe as firmly as anything, from my reading of the Bible, hearing it preached and declared before you, that we have the truth. We are standing on the truth. I believe that. I question sometimes whether or not we have the spirit as we ought. How do you measure that? Do we have the spirit? Well, one measure of the spirit, I believe, is do you have joy in hearing that your warfare is accomplished? Have you really entered into the joy and rest of that affirmation, or is it old hat to you? There may be other measures, love, peace, and patience. There's other fruits of the Spirit that you might use to measure whether or not you are in the Spirit and things. But I think entering into the joy of that warfare accomplished is a big part of it. And to the extent that we do, I think we can feel more confident that we have the Spirit as well as the truth. He mentioned something about come quickly. And I was convicted by that. We all have designs on our lives and we have things we want to see in our lives. And I wonder, do I really want the Lord to come quickly sometimes? You know? I thought, the degree to which you oppose come quickly. You hear that sometimes? You think, well, how about next week? Not too quickly. I got those things I want to do. The degree to which you oppose come quickly in your heart is a measure of how much you're staggering in unbelief with respect to the glory that is to come. There's not anybody sitting in here that doesn't have problems. Everybody's got problems. 
I've talked to people about problems and maybe there's a way to fix one of them. I can help hear their yawn. Sometimes you can't help. But everybody's troubled by their problems. And yet we stagger in unbelief when someone says, Lord, come quickly. I still want to be here a little more. There's coming a day when all of your problems are going to be gone. And the extent to which we don't want the Lord to come quickly and get excited about that declaration and what Jesus Christ has accomplished with respect to our warfare, we're missing out on a lot if we don't embrace that. There's coming a day when every single one of your problems are going to be gone, and that's going to be the day when we're with the Lord. I appreciate Brother Luke's message. Thank you for listening to SuccessfulSavior.org, the ministry of Harmony Primitive Baptist Church. Come and join us as we worship God in the simplicity of Christ every Sunday morning at 416 North Hall Street in Donaldson, Arkansas. At Harmony, we don't have many things you'll find in the popular churches of our day, but we do have a successful Savior. We invite you to come and see.